Our uh, Bible reading this afternoon comes from Galatians chapter 5, whoops, and we're reading the verses 13 to 26. And the word should also be on the screen behind me. So Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. And the uh, editors of the NIV have titled this section, Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. Friends, uh, just yesterday, um, Caroline and I had the pleasure of attending a wedding, the wedding of Nick and Chelsea de Jong down in, at South Arm. And while that was lovely for us to be there, it was, of course, far, far more significant for them. For while we enjoyed the celebration, for them, it was one of the most important moments of their life, as they made promises and commitments becoming husband and wife, becoming as one. But I think that we all know that while a wedding day is important, what comes afterward is so very important too. It's not as though you just say your vows, get your certificate, and then you go back to your old ways. No, we shouldn't just focus on the day but we should focus on the lifelong relationship that follows, on the marriage. For marriage impacts everything. It changes every part of your life. But you know, that's a little bit like what we're thinking about this afternoon. For last week, Reuben spoke to us about the incredibly important matter of the beginning of our Christian life. 
He reminded us that in and of ourselves, we are totally incapable of turning to God. We are dead in our sin, and dead people cannot bring themselves back to life. But the Lord can, and the Lord does, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the gospel to our ears and to our hearts and gives us faith to believe. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us and regenerates us, revives us as we are born again. It is the Holy Spirit who takes that astonishing work of Jesus and who applies it to our very souls, washing away our sin and making us righteous in God's sight. And there's a point in time when that happens for each of us. Sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. It's that time of our own conversion when we first truly believe and become a Christian. And that point is a little bit like a wedding, for it's a very special event as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us and we become one. But like a betrothed couple, we must realise that what comes afterward is equally important. So we shouldn't only focus on that moment of conversion, but we should focus on the entire Christian life that follows. For we simply cannot claim that we are born again and then go back directly to our old ways. No, friends, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, He impacts everything. He changes every part of our lives. And that's what Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Did you notice verse 13, how he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. He's talking about that time when when we were freed from the devil's grasp, freed from the ways of this world, freed from the fear of death and hell, freed from the condemnation of our own sin. We were once slaves, but by the grace of God and the atoning work of Christ, we have been released, we have been rescued, we have been set free. But the problem is that some people, like the Galatians, think that they can now live however they want. They say, God's made me free, no longer under law, but under grace, forgiven of all my transgressions, past, present and future. And so it doesn't matter what I do. I can follow all the desires of my heart. I can treat others however I please. I don't need to be humble. I don't need to resist temptation. I don't need to obey authority. And don't you go trying to restrict me with all your talk about morals and laws. But friends, what a tragedy. For those who think like this, they're like a bride and groom who have, who have put all their focus on the wedding, but care very little about the marriage that follows. Those who think this way have completely misunderstood what it means to be saved and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul goes on. Having boldly declared that we are free, he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He makes it so clear that freedom from the guilt of sin does not leave us free to indulge in the practice of sin. Paul makes it so clear that the Spirit is not finished with us at the time of our conversion, but that he continues to work in us for the rest of our days. And so Paul adds in verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But if this is true, then then we should really think about what that means for us in real and concrete terms. When we say the Holy Spirit continues to work in us and to transform us, well, what does that really look like in our daily lives? How does the Holy Spirit change us? Well, I think the answer begins in truly recognising the ultimate goal of salvation. You see, despite what some may say, the goal isn't that we are simply freed from sin's condemnation and then we just wait around, selfishly doing whatever we please until Jesus returns and we all get to go to heaven. No, my friends, the ultimate goal is that we now live out our freedom to the glory of our God. The goal is that we strive against the evil that so grieves his heart and that we embrace the righteous existence that we were always created for, that we are renewed and that we are transformed in the image of our God. Or to put it another way, my friends, the goal is that we increasingly become holy, just as the Lord is holy. Sometimes in theology, we make a distinction between the guilt of sin and the pollution of sin. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he took away the guilt of sin for all who truly believe. Of that, we can be certain. But yet, we who believe, we're so painfully aware that even though he has done that, that our lives are still contaminated as we fail the Lord every day. And so while we are free from sin's guilt, we continue to struggle with its pollution in our lives. But that, that's exactly where this ongoing work of the Holy Spirit comes in. For the Lord has promised that he will actively and powerfully work within us so that we can increasingly fight this pollution and become more righteous and pure. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit, because he works in us to make us holy like God. Now, the process never finishes within our lifetime, does it? Only in eternity, when we are finally made perfect in every way. But yet, we will see real and genuine progress right now, as the Spirit works mightily in us, doing what we cannot do for ourselves. Again, in theology, there's a very helpful word to describe this process. It's the word sanctification. Sanctification describes the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Sanctification, the word literally means to make holy. 
And Anthony Hookham, one of my favourite authors, he describes it like this. He says, we may define sanctification as that gracious operation of the Holy Spirit involving our responsible participation by which he delivers us from the pollution of sin, renews our entire nature according to the image of God and enables us to live lives that are pleasing to him. So how does the Holy Spirit change us? By powerfully working within us, renewing us in God's image and making us increasingly holy in the ways that we think and speak and act. And in our passage in Galatians, Paul reveals that there are actually two sides to this amazing process. First of all, he shows us that the Holy Spirit strengthens us to fight against the sin that lingers. And throughout the passage, this is described in various ways. We've already seen verse 13 where it says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, my Bible has a very helpful footnote which says, in contexts like this, the Greek word flesh, sarks, refers to the sinful state of human beings often presented as a power in opposition to the Spirit. Friends, despite our salvation in Christ, we're still battling the temptations of the flesh. We're still influenced by our own human natures, by the depraved world that we are living in, by the enemy who seeks to ruin us. But Paul urges us not to indulge the flesh, the sinful urges within. In verse 15, he describes a particular issue for the Galatians, saying, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. One temptation that Christians face is to become so consumed by our own rights and our own opinions and our own importance that we start attacking our fellow believers, even though we're supposed to be on the same team. Maybe that sounds familiar. Paul says, don't do it. It brings nothing but harm. But then in verses 16 and 17, he reminds us that we simply can't do this alone. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. You see, my brothers and sisters, left to our own devices, we have no hope. We're totally controlled by our sinful natures. But when we walk by the Spirit, He is powerfully at work within us and He is the one who enables us to resist temptation, to stop being selfish, to stop attacking each other. And then next, in verses 9 to 21, Paul goes into even more detail about some of these sins that we fight in the Spirit's power. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, 
jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's not trying to list every sin there is here. But what he's doing is giving us enough examples to make every single one of us realise that there are so many ways that we rebel against God. And he's telling us that without the Spirit, this is what we would be. And he's telling us that those who live this way, well, they cannot possibly know the salvation of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul's not suggesting that, that believers never fall in ways like this. None of us can read a list like this without knowing our own weaknesses and our own failings. But the point is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, well then we will not commit these things without remorse and repentance and a desire to be forgiven. And we will not allow these things to become the accepted, repeated and relished way of our lives. In the strength of the Spirit, we will always be longing to overcome. As it says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's no longer our sinful natures that control us, but it is the powerful Spirit of the Lord. And while we're not yet perfectly holy, Holiness is our heartfelt desire. Finally, in verse 26, Paul returns to a specific application. And this this must have been a key issue in this church. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. But my friends, if that was an issue for the Galatians, let us never think it couldn't be for us. For conceit... Provocation and envy are never far away. Oh, my friends, we so need the Holy Spirit to help us fight the sin in our lives. But that now brings us to the other side of this equation. We've seen that the Spirit empowers us to fight the the pollution of sin in our lives. But that in itself does not make us holy. It can make us neutral, but that's all. And so the Spirit goes further and He replaces those evil desires with godly desires. He works in us to replace our selfish deeds with selfless deeds, with the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And what does that look like? Well, well again, the details are woven throughout the passage. So back to verse 13, Paul says we're called to be free and shouldn't use our freedom to indulge the flesh. But he also tells us that we should use our freedom to rather serve one another humbly in love. This is the opposite of indulging the flesh, to serve one another humbly in love. This is the good that believers seek to do. And love, Paul tells us, is in fact the ultimate expression of holiness, the ultimate expression of of God's image, the ultimate expression of the Spirit's work within us. 
Listen to verse 14. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. The entire will of God for us as we live together in the church and in the world is to love others as much as we love ourselves. And then a little further in verses 22 and 23, Paul reinforces that, first of all, this is not our doing, but the Spirit's doing, and he helps us to understand a little better what this looks like in reality, because there we find these well-known words. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friends, what a, what a beautiful picture these verses paint of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the life he lived when he was here among us on this earth. And my friends, what a beautiful picture this paints of the life that our precious Lord Jesus desires for us and develops in us by the Spirit's power. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, this is the fruit that he is growing in our lives. But before we finish, there's two questions to consider. The first question is, who is ultimately responsible for our sanctification? Is it the responsibility of the Holy Spirit, or is it our responsibility? Well, my friends, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Think about verse 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This verse tells us that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us this new life, who fights the sinful flesh and grows all this beautiful fruit. Without Him, it just wouldn't be possible. But yet in the very same breath, it tells us that we ourselves are responsible to keep in step with the Spirit to actively participate in his work. After all, aren't we told in this very passage, sorry, uh, 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 we aren't told in this passage to passively wait for the Holy Spirit to work within us. No, we're told in these very verses to serve one another humbly in love, to do away with the acts of the flesh, and so it goes on. It is definitely the Spirit's work, but it's definitely ours as well. We see this very same tension in Philippians chapter 2. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Who's the driving force here? Clearly it's us. Obeying, working out our salvation, willing and acting to fulfill God's purpose. But yet at the very same time, it is clearly God. It is God who is working in us. 
And you know what this means is that we can never take the credit as we grow in holiness. We can never be proud or arrogant, for it simply couldn't be possible without the Spirit's enabling. But yet at the same time, we can never sit back and expect the Spirit to change us without any effort on our part. We live by the Spirit and we need to keep in step by the Spirit all at the same time. But the second question to consider is how do we truly know what it means to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit and so on? Because you see, some will say, well, the Spirit simply speaks to you directly and reveals His will. They say, the Spirit told me so, and so it must be true. Well, that's not Paul's message, is it? Rather, he tells us that the Spirit does not work in isolation, but in connection with the Word of God. He is, after all, the very one who inspired the writing of God's Word. And he is, after all, the very one who illuminates God's word so that we can comprehend it. And so right here in our passage, we're reminded of some specific actions and attitudes to be removed from our lives. And we're reminded of the love and the other fruit that will take their place. But Paul explained in verse 14 that this is just a summary of the whole law. And so the Spirit's work of transformation takes place as we read and as we meditate on and as we hear preached the full counsel of God's Word. On its own, the Bible achieves nothing. But with the Spirit's power, it becomes a mighty force to transform us to the very depths of our being. And even this message tonight is part of that process. We can trust that the Holy Spirit is at work even now through the words of this text to convict us, compel us and change us to our core. So friends, as I said at the beginning, it's only the Holy Spirit who regenerates dead sinners and makes them alive in Christ. But just like a couple on their wedding day, let us never forget that there's so much more to the story. Let us never forget that the Spirit continues to work in our hearts, empowering us for life and for service to our God. And so I want to urge you this afternoon not to ignore the Spirit's work. Sometimes we try to change ourselves in our own strength. We try to be better people, try to please God on our own. And then we wonder why we fail. We need to always remember that we have a power available to us so much greater than our own. But I also want to urge you this afternoon not to resist the Spirit's work. We're so quick to get tied up in all our worldly priorities. And then things like fighting sin and growing fruit, they go by the wayside. We become stagnant. We start accepting behaviour in ourselves that once we never would have accepted. My friends, remember the Spirit is not finished with us yet and we need to keep in step with Him. So my friends, let's keep on asking the Lord to fill us with His Holy Spirit, to grow us 
and to mould us and to shape us in his image. Let us keep seeking to walk by the Spirit, desiring ever more deeply to be holy, just as the Lord himself is holy. And let us always do this in response to the glorious salvation that we have received in Jesus Christ. Let us seek to glorify him, our Saviour and our Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so, so much for our salvation. Lord, we thank you that you have regenerated our hearts, that you have delivered us from our sin, that you have adopted us as your own children. But Father, help us never to fall into that trap of thinking that that is the end of the process. Help us to see and to understand that your Holy Spirit continues to work in us all the days of our life. Father, help us to know that we surely are free, free from the condemnation of sin. But Father, help us never to use our freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather to serve each other humbly in love. Father, we pray, please work in us so that we can continue to fight the sin in our lives. Lord, we know that it's there. Lord, help us to overcome our temptations. Help us to find victory over those evil ways that cling to us. And Father, at the very same time, we pray, please work in us so that we are able to grow in true biblical love. Love for you love for the lost, love for each other. And Father, help us to grow in the, that beautiful fruit of the Spirit. May these things become more and more a part of who we are. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Lord, we pray, please work in us that these things would be ever more evident in our lives. Father in heaven, please help us to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.